everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking about Exodus 20, and this is the famous passage on the Ten Commandments. Although, I guess for today we're not necessarily going to be diving into each of the commandments, but I know just. We had a message about that、uh, semi recently. Yeah, and don't mind the saws in the background. We're fixing our windows. All right. All right, so I'll just start off with,、um, yeah, verse two.、Um, it says, I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery? And I thought about how the Ten Commandments start off with this statement I am the Lord your God. And I think this is pretty important because when we lose sight of who God is with this as our basis, then the subsequent commandments can seem like an ask or maybe they can seem like a chore. Because then God seems to be asking a lot of us, telling us not to do this or that. And when we think about Um, God as Lord, where we're calibrated.、Uh, he's creator of the universe. He's the author of our lives. He brought each of us into existence. And when we think about it, He rightfully owns and rules over everything, including, yeah, including our very lives. And yet, at the same time, He's not an impersonal or just some powerful force or deity who simply rules over us either.、Um, but He's a God who loves and cares for each of us because He says, I am the Lord, your God. He also has a personal history with each of us and a relationship with us. So, yeah, I mean, I think God would be okay just saying, I created you, you listened to me. But no, He also reminds the people of what He's done for them. And so, before issuing the Ten Commandments, God reminds the people He rescued them out of Egypt. I mean, they were in slavery, they were miserable. He wants to remind His people that He has something to do with them. He has always been for them, for their thriving. He's good, He loves them. He's not this cold, detached rule maker who has no idea who His constituents are, but He is for them. Right, so what did he deliver them out of? Egypt and slavery. And I think that's,、um, you know, so he reminds them why he is their Lord. And I think that's a question that's worth reflecting on for ourselves regularly as well. You know, what was our personal Egypt? What did God bring us out of? What, where were we headed? What were you enslaved to before meeting God?、And、this morning, as I reflected on、um, some of those thoughts, I was thinking, man, God really rescued me out of my own personal Egypt.、Um, I was, I remember being a teenager just. Being oppressed by mindless entertainment, being a slave to my pursuit of pleasures. I was stuck in sin. And,、um, you know, that, that was 21 years ago when I first made that decision to follow God. And yet, you know, here I am today, I could still praise God as I go back to my own salvation story. And I was just thinking, man, especially for the older ones, each time our devotion to the Lord gets a little bit muddy or wrestling with, why am I obeying God? What, it, what we need to do time and time again is go back to. The Lord our God, who brought us out of our Egypts, out of the slavery of sin that we were in.、Um, so, I want to talk about the first couple commandments.、Um, God's first two commandments are to have no other gods, and the second is similar to not make for yourself any carved image and bow down to it.、Um, you know, we know that in ancient days, people worshipped、um, probably the two most prominent gods were Baal and Ashtoreth, the god of weather, success,、um, Ashtoreth, who represented fertility, family, sex. Um, and obviously, we don't worship these gods anymore by name, but we still worship what we stand for, right? Success, money, fame, family, romance. These are the same things we find ourselves longing for and feeling like we can't live without, even as Christians. And while I've read these commandments many times, and I'm sure you have too, I think I was struck once again by how being Christian doesn't just make these other gods magically go away.、Um, for me, I was just thinking about that god of success. You know, it's something that I still often find myself struggling with. I want to, I serve that god that wants to be successful. I think verse two is reminding people, though, you know, like we mentioned, only God is worthy of worship and devotion. And yet, you know, for us as Christians, 
right? Maybe before we became Christian, we had a lot of ambition. We wanted to be successful mm-hmm. in the worldly way. Now it's ministry, the right? Context changed. Yeah, the context changed, but the idol's still the same. Um, it's one of those idols we can begin to unwittingly worship in our service to God. And instead of serving God alone, we want to serve our egos. We want our results, quote unquote, to show for whatever work we put in. Um, and what that might look like is maybe having a lot of people who call us their leader, their older brother or sister. Maybe it's this badge of honor. We can say, oh, this is how many people I'm reaching out to, or this is what I was able to accomplish. You know, all this to make a name for ourselves and um, in some ways take the glory and worship that belong to God. You know, instead of wanting to worship God, we want to become worshiped or adored in some ways for our Christian work. And, you know, when this happens, you know, the obvious answer is you just got to repent of it and realize that and repent of how, um, you know, we've allowed ourselves to be given over to this idol. Mm-hmm. Um, this time around, I was trying to make sense of verse 5, which says, you shall, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, referring to the carved images. For the Lord your God, for I the Lord your God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. And I was trying to make sense of verse 5, the fact that the Lord God is a jealous God, and this says visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to, for the following generations. And at first I thought, wow, that's kind of not fair. Why did the poor children have to be afflicted with the consequences of their father's disobedience? But it occurred to me again that, you know, the same disobedience to that same disobedience to God can be passed down. And it's what the children are practicing themselves as well. You know, children learn from their fathers, practice the same things as their fathers. And I was just thinking about the nature of sin and how it's generational. Um, in the same way, I think obedience and devotion to the Lord can also be passed down and uh, passed down as well. And this is a sobering thought to me as a parent and the choices I need to make. Like, what am I signaling to Nate and Eagle? What am I teaching them to do or have, teaching them to um, how they can treat God when I respond in fear, when I choose not to obey God. And I know a lot of you guys are not parents, um, but this is still something we're thinking about. I was just thinking about how our own personal disobedience to God doesn't just affect us alone, whether it's, you know, taking shortcuts or refusing to serve or stinginess or idolatry or whatever it is. It sows something into the soil for our future generations. And we're to take this call to keep the commandments seriously, not just for ourselves, but for future generations. Um, and I was also thinking about verse six. Um, Verse 6 says, But showing steadfast love to thousands of people who love me and keep my commandments. And I was just thinking about how sometimes this corrects some common thinking. Sometimes it's easy to distill this list of commandments into like a cold, hard list of do's and don'ts. And unfortunately, I think that sometimes that is people's impression of Christianity. You know, no one wants it. And I understand nobody wants to simply follow a taskmaster or a rule maker. But as I was reading Exodus 20 again, especially with verse 6, I appreciated how God actually throughout the time makes very clear his desire for a love relationship with each person, with each of us. He tells us he's a jealous God, Um, but jealous for good reason, for a good reason. You know, he's someone who loves us so much and with that nature of love requires us to be exclusive in our relationship as well to him. And he feels jealousy when we pander to our other desires with cheap idols. And he promises that he shows steadfast love to those who um, are for him or who follow him who love him and keep his commandments. And I thought about this list of commandments uh, as well. What does it look like to follow this list? Actually, it is like Will said, for our thriving. They're actually reasonable. They're not unreasonable and they really are meant for our thriving. And so throughout the time, you just see how God is a God who's relational and who is for us, mm-hmm. even in this list of, you know, technically do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>